In 2010, you said, and I'm quoting you directly here, Canada has a free speech problem. I'm wondering to what extent you think problems with free speech are unique to Canada? We have a very developed human rights industry. And I want to distinguish that from true human rights activists like Martin Luther King. By industry, I mean professional cadre of lawyers and bureaucrats who all live off the public suing for fun and profit. I mean, these are litigators of fortune who are thriving because of the petri dish uh, called the Human Rights Commission. There are other places in the world that have these quasi-judicial creatures, but I think Canada is one of the worst in terms of we have this specific program that is designed to get out of the real courts, because real courts generally throw out BS cases involving counterfeit human rights. There's no, there is no right not to be offended. That's a counterfeit human right that a real court would laugh out of court even in Canada. That's why these fake kangaroo courts are being set up, because they love counterfeit rights, like the right not to be offended. Our human rights commissions usually on the municipal level in the United States, but they're much less powerful, and of course they're governed by the First Amendment there. Europe has some similar um, censorship laws. We saw Kurt Wilder, the uh, Dutch political leader, being put on trial there. And of course, the authoritarian world, many dictatorships uh, in Islam countries in particular, you know, thought crimes and word crimes are, are just part of the general totalitarian regimes. But Canada, in terms of the liberal democracies, unfortunately has this blight on our reputation. I'm hoping you could expand this discussion of Canada's human rights commissions and talk a little bit about how you think they obstruct free speech. Perhaps you could frame it in the context of 2006 when you decided to publish the controversial Muhammad cartoons in the Western Standard. Sure. You know, the, the largest news story of them off were those Danish cartoons, not the cartoons themselves, they weren't that newsworthy, but the riotous reaction to them in February 2006 alone, 200 people were murdered in riots in the Muslim world. In purportedly in response to these cartoons, I looked at the cartoons and they were quite bland. Some of them were completely inoffensive. And even Islamic law, I mean, not all Muslims hold that you can't depict their Prophet Muhammad. So we did a little news story about this in the magazine I published. And we, we published eight of the 12 cartoons. We also published a photograph of a, an old Shiite mosaic in Muhammad. It's proof that it really isn't settled Islamic law that you can't depict Muhammad. Anyways, our readers loved it because we were the only medium in Canada that showed people what the pictures were like. I mean, no TV station did, no newspaper did, magazine of any size did. It was just us. Yeah, got a lot of support from our readers because we were treating them like grown-ups, treating them like democratic citizens rather than citizens in a censorship state. But one Islamic fascist in Calgary named Syed Sohawari, who was born in Pakistan, educated in a, in a madrasa, does the Saudi anti-Semitic lecture circuit, disagreed. And he didn't disagree through the form of a letter to the editor, which we surely would have published, but rather by taking me before something, well, actually for the police, who laughed him out of their police station. Then he went to the Human Rights Commission, which is a government agency, and they accepted his hand-scrawled complaint and for 900 days, I was prosecuted by this arm of the Alberta government. I asked to make this half a million dollars, prosecuting me and claimed access to information requests that I made with 15 bureaucrats and lawyers on my case for almost three years because I published these cartoons to illustrate a news story on the subject. I mean, seriously, I was the only person in the free world to be prosecuted for publishing those cartoons, not even back in Denmark where the cartoonists prosecuted, but in Alberta, whose motto is free. I was prosecuted.
confiscated for 900 days by the government. It was essentially a modern blasphemy case. I mean, really, it was the first case of a blasphemy prosecution in the English time in nearly 100 years. So you say that in this case, the Human Rights Commission was impeding your ability to speak freely. Do you think that the Human Rights Commissions ever have a place in Canada? I mean, where would you suggest someone go when they believe their, their human rights are being disrupted? Well, I don't believe there is a human right not to be offended. I, I don't think that actually is a right. Someone thinks that they have been offended. They don't have a place to go in law. I mean, there's things you can do when you're offended. You can bitch to your uh, family that they're friends. That's what family and friends are for. You can write a letter and go on talk radio. If they're really, really, really mad about something, you can you know, start a political campaign. If you're at a restaurant, you're not treated well, leave a small tip, don't go back. And, right, well, uh, I guess I guess then mad. the point is, the point is, where do we draw the line between speech that is purely offensive and hate speech? Canada obviously has a lower bar for this classification. But no, I'm wondering... I don't believe that hate speech, I don't believe that hate speech is a crime or an offense. Hate's a human emotion. If you don't ever feel hate, you have a broken personality. Every one of us feels love and hate contempt and respect probably every day. It doesn't have to be political or religious. It could be over a sports team. It could be, you know, some artistic thing you've seen. I mean Well absolutely um, and I don't think that any I don't think that anyone would argue that it should be illegal to express hate. But at the point when you did you did you you imply that there's a difference between free speech and hate speech, but but hate speech is a form of free speech. So what we ought to allow is criminal speech, which is different. Hate is not a crime. Uh, and if it was, put it to you, we could not remedy that crime simply by passing the Love Each Other Act. You could not rewire human emotions. What, what you can do is say that you can be hateful all you like, you can express yourself all you like, but when that expression turns to violence, that's when the criminal law comes into play. There are a very small number of word crimes, like uttering a death threat. That's an example, but that's not, it's not the hate that we're criminalizing, it's the imminent and realistic threat of violence that we're criminalizing. What about when the speakers are not the ones committing the violence or making the death threats, but what about when someone's speech inspires someone else to act violently? Well, there's nothing in life that, that is not inspired by the totality of our experiences, including what we're reading here. That is junk law. You can't say, oh, I read a play when I was a child, and I've been thinking about it for 10 years. It's motivated me to murder Canada. I know the definition of uttering a death threat. It has to be credible, imminent, and it has to truly have a feeling that he's, in, he's going to be hurt imminently. I mean, there's a very high bar because we should have a rambunctious, robust, unfair discussion, and we do not believe in settling disagreements by calling in the cops. And it's kind of pitiful to say, oh, well, someone read a book and heard a speech, and that caused someone to be really mad and commit violence. We don't believe in that because that takes away the responsibility from the individual who committed the crime and puts it on some author. I mean, would we seriously prosecute Karl Marx for 100 million murders down in his name? Well, no, of course not, because Karl Marx didn't kill anybody, but Vladimir Lenin and Mao Zedong and Adolf Hitler did. So, so you would be you would be comfortable allowing someone to say stand in a public place in Canada and spout anti-Semitic remarks and sort of loosely advocate, say, some sort of broad anti-Semitic action on the on behalf of the government. You would be comfortable allowing that. What you just did there, you tried to blame ideas with action because that. Uh, well, I'm so not sure. No, down. no, because you're, because you said that. If you're you're... answer, I'm just going to answer sure. the question. 
let's break it down into two parts. Um, I have no problem with someone uttering anti-Semitic remarks, uh, even if I'm Jewish. I have no problem with someone denying the Holocaust. I have no problem with someone racist remarks because I know how to handle that. Number one, we ignore them. If that's not good enough, we re debate them and rebut them and laugh at them and marginalize them and campaign against them and beat them in the marketplace of ideas. I'm far more worried about a government that seeks to censor us than some nobody at Hyde Park shoving into the wind. And you added something to your uh, hypothetical scenario, which is calling for action. Well, now you need to be much more specific. If it's an incitement to riot, well, that's covered in the criminal code. If it's a death threat, if it is a conspiracy to commit a crime, well, then let's talk about that. But that's already covered in our criminal code. Simply saying, I don't like Jews is not a crime. Even saying, I think we ought to kill Jews is not a crime. Now, if you get to the point where it is urgent and imminent and specific and to the point of inciting a riot or a crime, well, that's a criminal offense. But it's got nothing to do with who you happen to be picking on. You can incite a riot that is completely uh, not focused on race or religion. It could be, let's go steal money from the grocery store. So it, how, specific, how specific does the language have to be for it to be incitement? Well, that's a question you should ask a criminal lawyer. When people say the word hate crime, we already have a criminal code full of hundreds of criminal laws. What people are actually trying to do is sneak in an extra new crime, the crime of hate. Hate is not a crime. Mm -hmm. Hate is a human emotion. The key for us grown-ups is to learn not to act on our hatred in a violent way, to learn how to deal with it and swallow it and remedy it and fix it and sublimate it into something positive or just event. The solution is to crack down on violent criminals. The solution is not to try and tell people they can't have human emotions anymore. I wanted to flick at one more specific example of a human rights debate in Canada, and that was around the time in 2010 that Ann Coulter, the well-known conservative pundit, was forced to cancel speech at the University of Ottawa after threats were made to her physical safety. The cancellation inspired a raucous debate in Canada, and, and I know you were involved in planning Ms. Coulter's speech tour. I'm hoping you could give us a bit of background and more generally talk about what the episode said about free speech in our country. Sure, Ann Coulter is a provocative commentator from the United States, and she spoke at three college campuses. Two of the events went uh, unremarkably. But at the University of Ottawa, a bizarre thing happened. Even before Ann Coulter set foot in the country, the uh, assistant dean, I think, sent a letter uh, threatening her, really, that if she were to say things which is approved by the uh, administration, she could actually be subject to criminal prosecution. They actually referred to the criminal law. And to have a letter going out from a university administrator threatening a speaker with, really with arrest, criminal prosecution, before she even opened her mouth, was such an outrageous chill against free speech. That was outrageous to begin with, but more than that, it was like a pistol for the violence that ensued immediately, Facebook groups sprouted up saying, how can we handle Ann Coulter? Should we throw things in her face? Should we bring weapons? Why not? If the university administration had signaled this woman was to be censored and driven out, the students' union radicals said, well, if, if the man is against her, then surely I can be too. Mm -hmm. And so it happened that hundreds and hundreds of thugs came and uh, and the university security was less than useless. I mean, they, they basically stood there and allowed a mob of people to come in, including the ones who had threatened to bring physical weapons. So this was a disgraceful 
act by the... I, I blame the university completely. I point out that it's only one side of the ideological spectrum that is subject to that kind of threat, namely conservatives. And I find that bizarre because you would think that the liberals would love speech. Historically, free speech has been the weapon of choice for liberals, whether it's the suffragette movement or uh, civil rights for visible minorities or the gay movement. The left has historically been a champion of freedom of speech. You said around that time that you believe the free speech of white Christians and conservatives is more often to be under attack. Do you think that that principle holds true across the board, or was that just in the case of Ann Coulter's talk? Let me list to you a group of Christian cases that have been prosecuted by Human Rights Commission. The Bishop of Calgary, Fred Henry, was the subject of a human rights complaint because he wrote a pastoral letter against gay marriage, which is out of his job. Father Alphonse de Levalque of a Catholic museum in Toronto was prosecuted. Reverend Stephen Bazan, a uh, Protestant pastor in Red Deer, the Christian Heritage Party, and on and on and on. It is not a coincidence that the only religion that has been prosecuted for, quote, hate speech is the Christians. In the 34-year history of the Canadian Rights Commission, not a single Sikh extremist, Muslim extremist, Panel extremists has ever been charged, let alone prosecuted and convicted. Not one. And I, by the way, I didn't want them to be subject to human rights complaints because I think it's counterfeit law. I mean, human rights commission are not neutral arbiters. They are passionate activists. They are censors. They are, in my opinion, bigots. 